So we're going to go to the Gospel of John. Gospel of John and chapter number 17. Gospel of John and chapter number 17. Good to have uh, Brother Bronner and Miss Becky all healthy again. Glad that they're back up on their feet. And it's good to have Brother Bronner's dad. Where are you at, Brother Chris? Over there. Okay. <laughs> it's good to have him here in town. And I am very thankful that the God has led him to Riverside Baptist Church. We're going to grill him real good and make sure that we want to receive him as a member. But okay, nobody brought a sense of humor whatsoever. Everybody's going, what's wrong with him? What's wrong with him? Ain't nothing wrong with him whatsoever. He's a good guy and you need to meet him. You definitely need to meet Brother Smith. He is a good, good man. We're continuing on with uh, our series here on Wednesday night, Standards, Why Bother? And uh, I want to look at John chapter 17. Look at verse 17, where the Bible says this. Jesus said this, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. I want us to all read that verse together. Kind of wrap our mind around it a little bit and get on the same page, and then we're going to get right on into it. Y'all ready? Let's do this, okay? Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. We're going to talk tonight about God's standard being sanctified. Being sanctified. Let's pray. We'll get started. Heavenly Father, we're very glad, once again, to be in this place tonight, and we're very thankful for those that are here and those that are joined by live stream. And we pray that you would arrest our attention. And Lord, we'd give heed to your word tonight. We are to be sanctified. We are to be set apart. We are to be separated. And uh, it is your standard. And I just pray, Lord, you'd give boldness and power, clarity of thought and speech, and help me to stay on track with what you've given us tonight to preach to your people. I pray, Lord, that you would bless it as only you can and use it in our lives just to help us draw closer to you and to be a light that shines in this world. Help us, Lord, we pray, please, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing for the reading of the Word of God. Please do be seated. We are to be sanctified, but there's not a living believer right now that has been completely sanctified. But if you are a believer, if you're a born-again believer, you are in the sanctification process. Uh, sanctification is the act of becoming holy through the growing process of the knowledge of God's Word. And we established that fact in the first message of the series when we looked at Jesus being tempted by the devil, and with each temptation, Jesus proclaimed, It is written. It is written. It is written, he went to the Word of God, which is what we need to do. Come on, in all, in, in, in all matters, we need to go to the Word of God and see what God would have us to do, how God would have us to handle whatever comes about in our life. Also, Jesus, while praying to his Father, said, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy Word is truth. Now, this is a prayer from Jesus to our Father in heaven. He's praying for us. And he says this, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. So sanctification, we know, is impossible without the truths of the word of God. 
And sanctification, uh, basically, is another word for holiness. Sanctification and holiness are to be the desired goal of every born-again believer. As you very well know, over in Romans chapter 8, and verse number 29, the Bible informs us that we are to be conformed to the image of God's Son. We're to be conformed to His Son. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14, the Bible says this, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. So we know that salvation changes the nature of man, and the adoption changes the position of man, but sanctification changes the character of man. Uh, Since 2 Corinthians 5.17 shows us that, that someone who is saved will become Uh, is becoming a new creature, sanctification must and will take place if the person has truly experienced the born-again experience, if they've truly been born again by the Spirit of God. We read right there in Hebrews 12, 14, unless holiness is developed through the sanctification process that God wants us to go through, then there really can be no, there really is a hard, you're really going to have a hard time making the claim of justification. Because our justification shows up with our sanctification. Okay. Jesus came that we could be saved from sin. Come on, that was his purpose. Born into this world, that he might be crucified and rise again, that we could be saved from sin. So for that to happen, there has to be a sanctification process. So for us to claim to be a believer, I mean really to be a, uh, to be a, uh, a good uh, example of a believer, then certainly there needs to be this sanctification process, doesn't there? Um, justification without sanctification is unlikely really as worship without sacrifice. The two are practically inseparable. Because if you've truly been born again by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God does live inside of you. He lives inside of you. And He is working, trying to get us to the place that God wants us to be. He is working. Come on. We, we can avoid Him. We can deny Him. We can shut Him out. But He is working. He is working. And isn't it an amazing thing how, and, and I truly believe, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but isn't it an amazing thing how um, God prompts us to do the right thing even if we don't listen. No, no, He does prompt us to do the right thing. And we have to choose at that time whether or not we're going to. And it can be a split-second thing, can't it? Come on, I mean, just the, the Spirit of God just immediately saying, well, what are you doing? And we can either, no, we can either take heed to that or we can just ignore it and go right on with what we want to do, can't we? No, we can't. But that's why God wants us to listen and go through this sanctification process. Well, come preacher, because it brings him honor and glory. Brings, <laughs> it brings honor and glory to our great God. And he deserves all of that, true. So God wants every believer to be sanctified. We know that. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 says, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. So God wants every believer to be sanctified. So we, let's, let's think about the meaning of sanct- sanctification. The outward evidence of sanctification really is holiness. It is the work. It is the work, just like salvation. It is the work of God's grace. Living a holy life. 
living separated from this world, uh, living different than common society lives. We are to live a different life. Come on, come on. Uh, Separation is not all of sanctification, but it is a good start. And total sanctification, again, is it's not going to come until we finally are in the presence of the Lord. But that does not mean that God doesn't want us to start the process now. He does want us to start the process now. So it means to be set apart, to be separated from sin unto God. <laughs> if you're going to separate yourself from something, you need to separate yourself to something. And so if he came to save us from our sin, please stay tuned in tonight. If he came to save us from our sin, he does expect us to repent of sin. And if we're going to do that, we need to turn to God, not some self-help guru, not some of the self-help books that are out there on the shelves. We need to be turning to God. We don't need to be listening to Oprah. We don't need to be listening to Dr. Phil. We need to be listening to God is who we need to be listening to, and he will help us with this. So we're to be separated from sin unto God. Sin no longer, we have to recognize this as believers, sin no longer has dominion over us. Amen. It no longer has dominion. No, no, no longer has dominion over us. No, no. So, so, so we can enter in the, into the process of being sanctified. And we, let's think about this, the difference from justification. Because there are some denominations out there that put sanctification as a part of justification, but that's not scriptural. Because justification, we know this is a once and for all act. Come on, we trust Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. At that very instant, we are justified. And we can't get out of that. No, it's a one-time act. We don't have to get saved over and over and over and over again. Praise God. I'm thankful for that. You can't lose your salvation once you truly have it. I'm thankful for that. And so it's a once and for all act. But sanctification is a progressive. It's progressive and it's a continual experience throughout the whole life of the believer. I mean, it really doesn't matter how young you did get saved and how old you're going to live. Through all of that time, you should be becoming more and more sanctified. It's, it's, a, it's a process. There are and there will be, there will be, there are and there will be different stages of your sanctification. It doesn't all come at one time. I, I'm telling you, I, I wish it did. <laughs> no, I wish that when I got saved that God would have just wiped out all the bad out of this old flesh, but he does not do that. He wants us to yield to him. Justification relates to what Jesus has already done for us. Sanctification is the effect of what he does in us. Justification relates to our standing before God, but sanctification has to do with our character and with our conduct, what we choose to do. Come on, we learn what God wants us to do. Are we doing it? God says, thou shalt not, are we not? God says, says, thou shalt, are we? Come on, God gives us direction, doesn't he? He gives us that direction with great hopes that we will follow him into the place that he wants us to be. And every time we take another step toward what he wants for us, the better our life is going to get, the brighter our life is going to shine, the more of a witness we're going to be to the people around us, the more separated from this world we will be. So what about the source 
of our sanctification. I'm going to give you a few scriptures. I, I would encourage you to jot them down because they're very important if you are to accomplish anything in sanctification. These are the helps that you're going to need as you continue in the sanctification process of your life. And they will help you to better accept God's standards, God's standards for your life. So the source of our sanctification, number one, is God the Father. Oh, of course. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. W-H-O-L-L-Y. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And the word sanctify in that usage means to purify. It means to consecrate. It means to uh, be holy. And so that's God's purpose for our life. And God the Father is, is, is the great source for that. In Jude chapter 1, chapter 1. Okay, in Jude 1, the Bible says this, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. So God sets us apart for his use. I'm very thankful that he does that. But not only God the Father, but Jesus Christ the Son. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 11 says, For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them Brethren, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 12, wherefore Jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffered without the gate. So we are sanctified by and in Jesus Christ, but not only God, the father and God, the son, but God, the Holy spirit. First Corinthians chapter six and verse nine. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Look, God the Holy Spirit does try to get us to do the right thing. It is His will that He would try. It is His standard that we be godly. So He tries to direct us, and He will not make you change. But if you're saved, He gives you the desire to change. We know that's right. And, and, and let me just encourage you parents that are in here. You need to help your kids to follow God's program. Amen. You need to help them follow God's program. Well, preacher, you know, you tell us all the time that, you know, that you're going to preach it, but you're not going to try to make us do anything. R right. It's not my, no, no. My responsibility is not to make you do anything. My responsibility is to tell you what God says with great hopes that you will do what God says. But don't take that into your family and think, well, I just need to let my kids make all their own choices. Wrong. <clears throat> I know it didn't go over real good. That's absolutely wrong. No, we train up our children in the way that they should go, and we expect that they do the right thing as long as they are under our roof. Amen, 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 amen. So I'll move along after that. We need to do that. 
But not only God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, but the Word of God. We read it there, John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. In John chapter 15, verse number 3, the Bible says, Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. So the word of God helps us to be separated, doesn't it? Helps us to be set apart, doesn't it? Because it goes against our human nature for the most part, doesn't it? I mean, we read it and it's like, oh man. And we read some more and it's like, oh no. And we read some more and go, I need help. Come on, and it's the word. And, and it's the word of God. You tell us all the time we need to read the Bible. Yep, you need to be reading the Bible. Well, I just don't seem to get more much out of it. You're getting more out of it than you think. And even if you read it, and even if you don't seem to just really soak a lot of it up, I'm telling you, it's like the water of the Word that runs through us, and it cleanses us, and it helps us to live in that sanctified state. It will get some of the junk out of there that is in there. But not only God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and His Word, but also chastisement. Oh, come on, if you really belong to the Father, there's going to be times He chastens you. If, you're, if you really belong to the Father, there's going to be times He corrects your path. If you really belong to the Father, there's going to be times He says, what in the world are you doing? You don't need to be doing something like that. Come on, come on, come on, you know that. And so there's going to be chastisement at times. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 9 says this, Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chasten after us after our own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Why does God chasten us? That we might be partakers of his holiness. I don't know why God's doing this to me. That we might be partakers of His holiness. Come on. He is trying to help us to be a sanctified people. He is trying to help us be a, a, pe- a people that's set apart for His honor and His glory. Verse number 11 says, Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but, 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 but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. In verse number 10, it says, for a few days chastened. Now this is speaking, this is speaking, we could go back to the home on this. This is speaking of parents that will chasten their children, guide their children. No, no, it says for a few days. What that means is that if parents perform proper chastisement, it really won't take long to teach a child to be obedient in all things. No, it really is true. Chastisement's very important as children grow up from a very, very young age. I mean, from an extremely young age, you can teach them. No, no, you can chasten your children. You can teach them that doing wrong will bring uh, chastisement. It will cause them trouble. No, no, it's a very wise thing to do. By child, by the, really, by time, the time a child is five or six years old, I mean, chastisement should have been, been doing its thing already. That child already be at a place where he's pretty obedient. If don't know if it's if it's practiced correctly. Come on, we heard it very well from Brother Andrew. If it's practiced correctly, no, 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 we're not advocating any type of child abuse or any such thing like that. That's just crazy. But I'm telling you, if we're correcting our children the way that we should, I'm telling you, they will learn these things. 
And they'll learn in such a way, they'll learn in such a way that you won't have to do a lot of correcting. You can just rattle the chain every once in a while and they take notice of what's going on. Amen. Absolutely so. It's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. You teach them to be obedient, then you teach them to be obedient, and then they'll learn later they're supposed to be obedient to God. Yeah, yeah. Well, why is it so hard to learn to be obedient to God and His Word, preacher? Well, I don't know. In my own life, I'd have to say what Paul, the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 7, where he said, For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. And he's listened to the Bible. Now, then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that, I would not. Is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I'm telling you, every time that I fail and every time I do something, I'm going to go ahead and use the word stupid along the way. It's not the Spirit of God that's guiding me when I do that. It's my own dumb flesh. And I need to learn to listen to God a lot more than I listen to me. It always helps in all of our lives that way. Paul wasn't excusing his sin when he wrote that down. He's saying that when we are unwilling, get this please, when we are unwilling to die to the flesh, the flesh will soon control us. I said when we're unwilling to die to our own flesh, it won't be long before the flesh is controlling us. It will cause us to do things that we never thought we'd do. We're talking about the sources of sanctification. If we're talking about the sources of our sanctification, we we can't leave out the will of the believer. Come on, we have a free will. If we're going to be sanctified, if we're going to be sanctified, we have to decide that's what I want. I want to be sanctified. I want to be separated. I want to do the will of God. Oh no, it's very important. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. <clears throat> so God gives us choice, doesn't He? Come on, we can stay and just do whatever we want to do, or we can listen to Him and come out and be separate from all the worldliness and all that stuff. God will not overpower you and force you to be sanctified. He has commanded us in His Word to be sanctified and be conformed into the image of His Son. And we must present ourselves to Him for that purpose as soon as possible after the salvation experience. I said we need to commit ourselves to Him as soon as possible. As soon as possible after the salvation experience. Lord, I want to do Your will. I want to follow You. I want to be a separated Christian. And sad as it may seem, many never even begin a sanctification journey. They never even begin it. It's like they're glad that they're saved. I'm glad I don't have to go to hell. Well, here, what's this next step? Well, God wants you to separate yourself unto Him. Well, well, but I got a life that I want to live. Well, right, God's the one that gave you the life. Well, I know, but I've got some plans. So does God. He has a plan. And His plan's a lot better than your plan. Absolutely so. And a lot of people don't even begin the sanctification journey because, I mean, it's just they want to hold on to the old life. It, 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 you know, if, if a person's really saved in that way, they, they need to be in the Word of God. They have to be ignorant of the Word of God to not know the way of the sanctification. Really, 
that's that's pretty much was the case with me because I was saved at the age of 27 and I had real no real guidance or instruction in the matter of being sanctified. I just didn't have that at that point. And that doesn't serve as an excuse. I'm not trying to make an excuse. I had a Bible and the Bible is detailed in this doctrine of sanctification. However, I really knew hardly anything about sanctification until I was about 30 years old. And from that time, uh, I began to learn and I began to grow in a matter of holiness, understanding what God wants to do in our lives. And I'm not saying that, that I've, I'm, I'm not trying to blow my horn. I'm just saying I, I, when I got to the point where I realized this is what God wants, I mean, there was a change in my character at that point. No, no, I realized I got to make the decision. And I want to do what God wants me to do with my life. That's what I want. I want that more than anything else. I want that more than the oil field that I worked in at the time. I had to decide. I had to make some decisions. I, I, want, I want what God wants in my life. And I began to grow. And, and there was a change. And I was very aware of the need to become more Christ-like in my everyday life. And I hope I never lose that, uh, hope I never lose that drive. I want to be everything that God would have me to be. So let's think about the purpose of sanctification. It, it really is a twofold purpose. The number one would be putting off the old man. You have to put off the old man. Romans chapter 6, verse 11 and 12 says this, Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. So we have to put off the old man. The old man, no, no, no. After you get saved, the old man's still alive and well. No, no. And he'll still prompt you to do some of the things that you were doing before you ever got saved that you know now you shouldn't be doing as a Christian. He will still prompt you to do those things. Oh, no, no. It's very, very real. Very real. And we have to realize that. So we have to put off the old man. We have to reckon ourselves dead indeed unto sin, but alive through Jesus Christ, alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Colossians chapter 3 verse 5 says this, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, talking about your body, uh, and talks about fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. It says to mortify these things, and mortify means to deaden, means to subdue. It means we no longer, we're no, no longer going to listen to that. You know, the Bible refers to the death of the old man, and it commands the believer to get away from the sins that were controlling them before they ever got saved. And sanctification demands the elimination of the remnants. Get this. It, it demands the elimination of the remnants of the old man, which would keep the Christian from being at his spiritual best for his Savior. It, it, God just wants us to get it all out. God wants, no, no, God wants us to die to that old life and get all of that stuff out that we won't be controlled by that anymore. So we put off the old man, but we have to put on the new man. I said twofold process. Off with the old man, putting on the new man. And putting on the new man is more than just, it's more than just not smoking, not dipping, not drinking, not going to the movies, not committing adultery, and the list goes on. It's more than that. It's more than just refraining. It's more than just refraining from the, the thou shalt nots in the Bible. Putting on the new man is not just taking off the old man. It is to follow uh, Romans 13, 14, where it says, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. 
Well, preacher, what in the world does that mean? It means to put on the character of the Lord Jesus, to put on his compassion and his burden, his concern for the lost, his desire to please the Father. We take off, no, no, we we put off the old man. I don't want that guy to control me anymore. And we put on the new man, the character of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we do our best to follow him and yield to him and be more like him. Look, when we put something off, we must put something on to take place of what we put off. So many parents today make the mistake of, of taking certain things out of the life of their children and not replacing that which was taken. But that will always cause a vacuum and it's going to bring rebellion to the child. You need to teach your child to replace worldly activities with activities that are pleasing to the Lord. It must be. Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 12, the Bible says... Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, vows of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, love, which is the bond of perfectness, and, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body. And be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and, and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. I'm telling you, just those verses right there are completely opposite from the Bill Marshall I was when God saved me. And we have to continue to try to put these things on, like, you know, forgiveness, mercy, you know, all those things that we really don't care to show to others. We have to continue to do that. No, being thankful. Come on, we could go back and just preach on this, not going to, but we could preach on that for a long, long time. Because if we're going to put off the old man, then we need to put on the new man. That means all the, no, 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 not just part way. We need to go ahead and just, just put on the new man. Look, men... Man looks at holiness as an option. And I say we have a tendency to look at holiness as an option, but God presents it as obvious. Holiness, no, no, no. Leviticus chapter 11, verse 44 says, For I am the Lord your God. Ye shall therefore, here's the obvious, ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves, and ye shall be holy, for I am holy. That's pretty plain, isn't it? Okay, I'm going to read it again then. For I am the Lord your God, ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves, and ye shall be holy, for I am holy. Nothing short of, of trying to, 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 to put on the holiness of God is going to please God. He will not be pleased with, with partial holiness or occasional holiness or man-made holiness. He desires that we practice holiness in all parts of our life. But preacher, I'm just human. Me too. And I fail God. Me too. But I, no, no, no. I don't want to make that an excuse. You know, I don't want to make an excuse. So I just keep failing God and keep failing God and keep failing God. I want it to be that when I fail God, that immediately I fall under the... Uh, the uh, conviction of the Holy Spirit of God and say, Lord, I don't want to do that. I'm so sorry for that. I just want to be everything that you would have me to be, but I'm not going to be able to get there without your help. 
and he is there to help us. He's there to help us. Come on, the more we depend upon him, the more he does. But if we just act like we can coast through this life and be the Christian we're supposed to be, I'm here to tell you tonight, friend, that's not going to work. You're going to be caught up on this and caught up on that. Before you know it, you're going to be headed in an opposite direction of what you should be headed. We have to decide that we are going to practice holiness in all parts of our life. But we can't go on without talking about this without talking about the evidence of sanctification. The sanctified believer enjoys a quality of life which sets him apart from other Christians. From other Christians. Oh, I want to I, please let that soak in. Please let it soak in. The sanctified believer enjoys a quality of life which sets him apart from other Christians. This quality of life is the result of the working of the Holy Spirit. As we yield ourselves to God, God works more. And as we yield, He works more. And as we yield, He works more. And I'm telling you, no, no, no. I'm telling you, there's, a, there's, a, there's that joy unspeakable and full of glory that the Bible talks about that we can be living in if we so decide to do God's way. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affection and lust. So the sanctification process should be evident. It's kind of like this. I'm not everything yet that I want to be, but I'm a lot better than I used to be. But I'm not satisfied with that. I'm not satisfied with that. I want to keep pressing on the upward way, doing what God would have me to do. Because see, get this, come on, stay with me. Sanctification does not exempt us from temptation or trials or tribulations, difficulties, Hardship? No, 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 no. None of the accomplishments mentioned in there in, in, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 24 that we just read, none of that becomes a part of our spiritual equipment until it has been perfected by testing. We're tested. Oh, come on, we go through things, don't we? The trying of your faith worketh patience. We go through things. And when we do and we're trusting God, God begins to change us. And God begins to strengthen us. And God begins to mold us. Boy, there's some pressure in that. Absolutely, molding always has pressure. But I'm telling you, God begins to make changes that only God can make as we go through these different testing. Come on, long-suffering begets long-suffering. If we'll be long-suffering, come on, if we'll practice long-suffering, it begets long-suffering. Gentleness begets gentleness. Goodness and faith beget their likeness. I mean, faith increases and, and, and faith becomes victorious when it's engaged in warfare against unbelief and has been strengthened in a conflict. Come on, things look hopeless, but trust God. But they look hopeless, preacher. Trust God. But, but, but it just doesn't look like he could ever do anything. Trust God. I'm telling you, our, our putting our faith in God and, and, and trusting Him no matter what it looks like with our human eyes will increase our faith. It will make us stronger. It, it will help us. No, no, it will help us even to become more willing to sacrifice unto our God. 
as we see him work in our life. And then there's the goal of sanctification. There's an immediate goal. The objective of our sanctification in this life is holiness. Be ye holy, for I am holy. God wants us to be holy. It's conformity to Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul wrote that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. But we have to notice what follows that instruction in verse number in verse number 29. God's purpose for the called is that they be conformed to the image of his son. It, it, it's very clear there in Romans chapter 8. So holiness is being like Jesus. It's being like Jesus. You've read about him, right? And how he is, how he handles things. Come on, stay with me here. How he handles things, how he acts, how he reacts, how he treats people. Yeah. Being like him. This is a divine standard for believers. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 3, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. It's the will of God. Your sanctification is the will of God. And then there's the ultimate goal. Of course, total sanctification. But it's not going to be attained in this life. As long as we're robed in this flesh, we'll never be totally sanctified. However... One of these days, when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Amen. I look forward to that day more and more and more. I looked in the mirror today, saw an old man staring back at me. Scared me to death. At the second coming of Christ, our sanctification will be complete. Hallelujah. The power of sin will be forever broken. The presence of sin will completely vanish. We'll not have to put up that name anymore. We will see the King of kings and the Lord of lords in all of his glory, and we shall forever be like him. Hallelujah. Amen. That's wonderful. But God's standard, come on, I'm done. God's standard is that we are set apart for Him and His use. This is something that He expects from us. He expects it from us. I'll say it again. He expects it from every believer. But He's not going to force us. He's not going to force it. Oh, he's, He's always prompting us by His Spirit. But we have to decide to follow. We have to decide to yield. We have to decide to give in. We have to make that decision. I want to be more like you and less of what I was. Less of what I am. I just want to be more like you. We have to make that decision to die daily to ourselves. He must increase and I must decrease. What the Bible says that. God's standard, being sanctified. Are you working on this standard? Come on, we're going to keep talking about standards next couple weeks anyway. Are you working on this standard? Because this one will help you when we get to the one that everybody's so worried about right now. It's going to help you. 
if you'll work on this one. Maybe it's time to start if you're not. Let's all stand. Stand with me, will you? Heavenly Father, take your word and use it as you will, we pray. And trust you for the results in Jesus' name. The piano's